Welcome to another DWPA special podcast. This time, Doctor Who Podcast Alliance members were lucky enough to attend not one, but two Doctor related events within a few days of each other. On Saturday, the 9th of October 2010, James from Doctor Who Podcast, Keith and myself, Adam from Staggering Stories Podcast, attended the new Doctor Who Live stage show at Wembley Arena in London. Then, a mere three days later, on the 12th, at the British Film Institute, South Bank Theatre, also in London, the upcoming Sarah Jane Adventure story, ominously titled Death of the Doctor, premiered. In attendance this time was James from Doctor Who Podcast again, Tony from The Flashing Blade, and Dave from Professor Dave's Ark in Space. But enough scene setting, I think. Let's go straight into a retrospective on that second event, the Sarah Jane Adventure story, before we then go back to Doctor Who Live. So first, it's over to Dave, Tony and James to talk about the Sarah Jane Adventures, The Death of the Doctor. Well, thank you, Adam. Yes, I'm joined for the very first time. I think I don't think I've ever recorded with uh, the two guys in this virtual recording studio before. Sorry, who are you again? <laughs> Hello, I am James from the Doctor Who podcast. Uh-huh. Hello, room service. Is that room service? I want a sandwich. Oh, oh God. Yeah, that's Professor Dave. Um, yeah, and I'm Tony from The Flashing Blade. Uh-huh. Right, now, if the rest of the review is going to be as difficult as the introductions, then, listeners, you're going to be in for a fun time. But anyway, we thought we'd get together for the second time this week. Will there be cake? There is no cake, no. Cake is bad for you. There no, is, it isn't. There is fresh Don't fruits. you go around saying things like... Will it be Liz Sladen? Right, okay, so we've got cake, fruit and Liz Sladen. I could put those together in such a delightful way. Mm, I'm sure you could. Okay, Dave, in your own little world, uh, would you like to introduce what we're actually going to be doing today? (laughs) Um, We are going to be looking at Death of the Doctor, the somewhat glorious adventure from the Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm. Hang on, it's not Death of Doctor Who? No. I'm sorry, I watched the Death of Doctor Who in advance. There is no connotation or connections with the chase here. I'm afraid this is a brand new story. Oh, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be knackered then. You're going to be knackered because you're old. Death of the Doctor was a story that's penned by Russell T. Davis, and I have a feeling this is the very first Russell T. Davis scripted Sarah Jane adventures story ever. Is that correct? Oh, I think he'll pen something else out. Mind you, he's caused utter chaos on the internet which we must come mm, to later we must because i'm laughing my socks off about didn't, it no it's incredibly funny i do agree <laughs> did, didn't he pen the um the pilot episode i think he did but i think that was a collaboration with gareth roberts unless i'm wrong and my memory does indeed it me. was i'm going for wiki i'm going for wiki no he did trust me series four this is episodes five and six uh, so we were in quite a privileged position here because we were sitting in a very comfy theater at the british film institute on london south bank Weren't those chairs comfy? They were you, comfy. You could, oh, you could lean right back. Oh, they were nice. <laughs> we sat down for, what, two and a half to three hours, I think, in total, which is 
a pretty good achievement, I think, given that the story itself was only an hour in length. Basically, they started the thing off, though, a nice little introduction, and then they showed a couple of little clips. Um, one was the end of The Green Death, featuring the departure of Joe Grant from the series, and that was followed by the end of The Hand of Fear, which featured the end of Sarah Jane Smith um, from the series, when she sort of went off talking to dogs. And that was a nice little scene setter. I have a feeling that the, the guest stars who are attending weren't actually aware that they were going to show those clips either. Um, there was a little bit of dialogue later on uh, when they got together after the screening for a panel to say, yeah, thank you for that. That was a nice little touch there. So I have a feeling that Liz Sladen and Katie Manning weren't aware that they were going to see their departures from the classic series on a big screen. And they got such a round of applause as well from the audience. Mm. So, yeah, nice little touch, that by the BFI. Very much. And then they showed the actual um, two episodes uh, bolted together in one uh, on the big screen very loudly um there's we're still not sure if the sound mix was a bit wonky uh. or if it was just the speakers at the bfi after that there was a question and answer panel featuring liz sladen katie manning gary russell ed russell who's the brand manager for sarah jane and i think doctor who as well and joe lidster who was standing in for the producer who couldn't make it. i like joe lidster he's my new best friend just because he likes sylvester mccoy a man just of because taste. he's so incredibly young though has to be no. said because he said he grew up with sylvester mccoy <laughs> and i was desperately hoping he meant he was at school with him or something and he just has got some incredible <laughs> magical way of not aging but no unfortunately we were there watching someone who had written three sarah jane adventures i think two torchwoods episodes and no doctor who yet who <laughs> i'm about 10 years mm. older than i was gonna say he's done, depressing. he's done all those things and managed to keep his paper round going and <laughs> um, one thing we did with the miss out from the intro is that they decided to have some kind of competition as well a little bit of audience participation i suppose but they decided to ask some quite fiendish questions, I think, about the Sarah Jane adventures and to see which members of the audience had that kind of instant recall. And I think they were quite surprised when Han shot up instantly because uh, they knew what the que- they knew the answer to the questions, and they were quite obscure questions as well. Mm, I think I think that the most difficult one, uh, certainly as far as the audience was concerned, was what's the actual address that Sarah Jane. Smith lives okay, at. Okay, well, you two guys were um, there. What's the actual address that Sarah Jane lives at? 13 Bannerman Road, Ealing, West Five. Very good. <laughs> well done. And I, I only know that because <laughs> of Tuesday night. Well, I was there too, uh, but I'd forgotten. <laughs> so, pretty good. Yeah, I know. I've got a brain that sucks this One of the up. prizes was a signed photograph of Karen Gillan. We did think of Adam Purcell from Staggering Stories. What I said was, if I'd won it, I was just going to go around Adam's place on the way home and stick it through his letterbox. It would be there in the morning for him. Right on the back. This is not a fake. (laughs) A bit odd, wasn't it? Because that was one of the more interesting prizes. But the other two prizes was merchandise from Merlin. Yes, it's a case of, what have we got up here at BBC Cardiff? Oh, (laughs) chuck that in the carrier bag. (laughs) I'd have had a word with a brand manager about that, I think. Yeah, slightly interesting set of prizes there. But I think it set the tone of the evening really well, actually, because it was um, clearly a much bigger public screening than something like The End of Time or The Eleventh Hour, which were both in pubs. Um, And and they were fan organised rather than BBC organised yep whereas whereas this is an official event and yet you still want to try and engender an atmosphere of Mm. celebration really I think that's the best Mm -hmm. way to to put it and they I think achieved it Uh, the chap from the BFI I thought was extremely good it was a very good compare and um, it was quite cheeky with some of these questions that he asked the panel uh, after the screening as well I thought I'd agree agree on that Uh, I 
a couple of people I know did actually turn around and say they weren't that very impressed with that comp here, but I will disagree with them. I, I mm. thought he was actually very good, very relaxed, and he was yeah. just the right side yeah. of respectful. I agree. I completely agree. Shall we move on to discussing the actual story itself? I feel we should. I think what we need here is some kind of spoiler warning. Right, you lot, we're going to tell you what bloody happened if you don't want to know tough. For the uninitiated amongst you, that's the South London way of saying, careful now, there are spoilers ahead. This podcast will be out well in advance of this story transmitting on um, BBC One on UK television, or CBBC, or whatever channel it is it goes out on now. Mm. That's due for transmission on the 25th and 26th of October. For, for the American listeners, that's going to hit the torrents on the 25th and 26th of October this year. <laughs> <laughs> What time do you think, About Dave? two minutes after the show finishes. <laughs> you keep on throwing me, Dave. I'm trying yeah. to, I'm, I've hey. just got used to Tony, and now you're giving me a completely different style. <laughs> anyway. Now you've got it in stereo, baby. Yeah. Let's get on to talk about the episode itself, then. We'll start off by talking about the guest stars to this particular story. And no, I'm not talking about Katie Manning or Matt Smith. I'm talking about the Muppets. Ah, uh. Yes, that was... Oh, Skasis. What? They just reminded me of... Was it the Skasis from Dark Crystal or something like that? Um, I know the things you mean, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, these these huge black terrifying... Well, I say terrifying. They're basically rod puppets, which are a lot bigger than a man. And they're just... And it's... These vulture creatures are just... Oh, oh dear. And... Isn't it amazing how a race that deals with dead people look like vultures? Mm. Well, it's very Russell T. Davis for me. I, I think target audience won't have a problem with it. I think kids will probably think it's quite innovative even. But I think for the audience watching it at the event, which of course the average age was probably closer to 50 40. than it was 5. Okay, maybe 40. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think we just thought, oh, Russell T. Davis, he's done it again. We've had cats, we've had rhinos, and this is the latest addition to the ITD menagerie. I, I thought they were okay, but I couldn't take them seriously, certainly. No, um, they, 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 I think they were a bit of a failure. Um, beautifully sculptured. They didn't look real um they looked like puppets unfortunately they didn't move very well they looked a bit cheap they did look cheap but yeah. I, I gotta be honest i i got into the story and i kind of forgot how cheap they looked that's a plus side for mm. the story that's quite a compliment actually as well because clearly it didn't take you out of the story the fact that these things did look like puppets. Uh, you know puppets very clearly puppets yeah and and, and mm. quite um well, for me, I, I didn't actually get into the story. I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit more, perhaps. But I don't think I got into the story at any point. And I think this was just a bad opening. And just before the introduction of these big bird things, um, we saw Mount Snowdon, which, of course, has a vastly secret base inside of. Do you know, I was so sad there wasn't a huge big sign outside saying, Uni- United Nations Intelligence Task Force Secret <laughs> Base Proprietor <laughs> Alistair Lethbridge I'm sorry Deliveries round the back. old school Yeah Yeah <laughs> No you're right it, It's the same kind of thing As having a highly secret Organisation With their name Emblazoned on their SUV <laughs> I, 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 well, Didn't it have unit Written on the side Of the mountain No <laughs> I, Well No On part of the There's there like um a part of building, a cylindrical building on the side of the mountain. And I'm pretty sure in large letters it had unit. Really? One of the things, mm. though, was um, the, the funny little alien that looked like Toya when she was in her punk days. 
Or the Grask, or the, the Grosk. Grosk. Oh, right. um, he yes. had pizzas which had clearly been delivered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which that's a very good kind of takes yes. away from the whole secrecy side of it. Yeah, well, then again, didn't Torchwood order pizza as well? I think in the first episode of Torchwood, that's how, that's how Eve Miles' mm-hmm. character finds Torchwood. She just follows the pizza delivery boy. So, yeah, it's RTD borrowing for himself again, perhaps. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, it was nice to see the Grosk as opposed to the Grask. Very yes. fetching coloured blue and very helpful. Um, <laughs> yes, very helpful little chaps, except going around calling, well, basically accusing Clyde of smelling. Yes, I, I think the Grosk uh, underpins all of the humour, I think, to this particular episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the humorous lines involve that particular character. And I think, again, it's just another role that was created to give to Jimmy V, who I think is now probably, uh, apart from the regular cast, one of the most regular actors or guest actors on Doctor Who. He's been all manner of different small aliens, hasn't he? Yeah, I still say bring back the space pig. <laughs> I was thinking more of Banacafalata. Ah, uh, I still prefer the space pig. You can't be a space pig. It's a pig from space it, it's no I'm thinking Muppets again guys sorry pigs in space <laughs> that was classic science fiction science fiction it was yes yeah, so it's dramatic storytelling in space with mm-hmm. pigs fantastic mm-hmm. yeah anyway let's move on <laughs> from pigs or grosks or pizzas or secret bases let's talk about what basically the whole audience were, were sitting there waiting for uh, hanging on to their seats and of course the very first guest star that we get was Katie Manning. Gall bless her. Gall bless her indeed, in the form of Joe Grant. And the perfect entrance for the character, Mm -hmm. I thought. Walking in and smashing a vase. Yes. How much do you think this portrayal Katie Manning gave was of Joe Grant? I mean, because I thought the line was very blurred between Joe Grant and Katie Manning. I think the script blurred that line, quite frankly. I agree. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm pretty. Sh- I don't know, James. I'm pretty sure that you've spoken to Katie for interviews and whatever. No, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't. She's one oh, who I haven't spoken um, to. She's yet, no. actually a very intelligent woman, and while she claims she doesn't act up on stage, it's very obvious she does, and that is just a persona she puts on. Um, and that's what we got. We basically got Joe Grant just aged up a little, a little bit. There were lots of um, jokes and lines about Sarah and Joe being a lot older than they once were. And I, whilst the script blurs the line between Joe and Katie, it's also it's more a case of blurring the line between Joe and Katie's Joe persona on stage. Mm. I think I managed to get out of that sentence. I think you're right in many ways, and I, I haven't actually interviewed Katie, but I have spoken to her at conventions where it's almost as if her guard is down, and you get a completely different person. Mm. And I think that does happen with a number of different actors, is that they, they simply cannot stop performing, irrespective of platform that they have, whether they're on television or whether they're being interviewed. And you get others who are very, very much themselves whenever they are not actually acting. And I, I just felt that we were getting a constant performance from Katie Manning. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I thought she was extremely good within the episode itself. I thought she was thoroughly engaging in the panel interview as Katie Manning afterwards. I just don't feel that 
I have additional knowledge about that individual, despite listening to her for, for an hour. And it was essentially listening to Katie Manning for an hour because she basically took over the panel. Mm, but we'll, uh, we'll talk about that perhaps uh, in a little bit. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Joe Grant come back and also interacting with her successor uh, in terms of Sarah Jane Smith. No, it, it was lovely to see him. And it was lovely to see that they knew each other as well. It's one of these things that's come along now that when a companion's moved on, they've not been forgotten about. There is talk of them. There are memories of them. Mm. Well, they knew of each other. They'd never actually no. met, had they? Um, but and you could have... I don't know, considering how things went in, Ro- in um, with Rose in School Reunion, yes. this could have ended up being very cold and very frosty. But it wasn't, and quite simply because Joe Grant's not that sort of character. No, I did wonder when I first heard that Katie Manning was coming into the Sarah Jane Adventures, I thought, well, she's a very, very different character to Sarah Jane, and and that's probably because they did follow each other, they were together, therefore Mm. the new production team comes up with a very different kind of companion, and... I just felt that they would clash, and the temptation as a writer to introduce, you know, a couple of conflicting lines and to create a little bit of tension that way, possibly a little bit of comedy as well, would, I suspected, be far too great for RTZ to resist. And to his credit, he didn't. At no point were these two characters bickering or arguing, really. Um, I I think there was the occasional withering look from Sarah Jane uh, when we started burning candles and uh, things along those lines. (laughs) But there was nothing really, anything like the... Um, relationship between Rose and Sarah Jane when they met on school reunion. But wouldn't that have just been a repetition of what had been done previously? And I think Russell T. Yes. Davis, I know he gets a lot of um, bashing in, in fan corners at the moment. He's too good a writer to go for the easy option. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. I think he's borrowed from himself on many, many occasions. And if he thinks something is funny, irrespective of whether he's done it before, he'll do it again. Case in point, Slovene. We shouldn't have seen him in the first place. No, I, I completely agree. Um, and yet he says, well, they're my inventions. I like them. They're coming back. And if you are a particular fan of the Sarah Jane adventures, I think you've been subjected to Slovene in something like about 20% of all the episodes. Um, they just won't go away. Again, if I was a kid, these big, funny-looking creatures that fart all the time would be hysterically funny to me. Well, all you've got to do is go along to a Sarah Jane preview screening and you find lots of people who fit that description. Hello. And they're not Slovene. <laughs> <laughs> I think trying to get back on topic. Yeah, sorry. I think that, um, God, that's amazing. I've never heard Tony ever say that before. You've, nev- you've never recorded with me, baby. You've never recorded with me. No, I haven't. Sorry, Tony. I interrupted you as well. I do apologise. Uh, that's terrible. I hate it when people do that. So another thing uh, that so, Tony was going to um, say at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Sarah needed. Joe, Sarah is far too prim and proper and starchy. I've, I've, especially in the Sarah Jane Adventures, um, she, she needed Joe to sort of poke her and help her let her hair down a little bit. And as a result, we got to see a, a warmer Sarah mm. than we normally get to see, and that's because of Joe's influence. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You're absolutely correct, and I think. What no one's really paid a great deal of attention to is the way that Liz Layden plays Sarah Jane these days because it's so utterly different to the way she played her in the classic series, particularly towards the end of her time with Tom Baker. And I think that was actually inadvertently put right in the spotlight when they played the last scene, or Liz Layden's last scene in Hand of Fear, 
because she was jovial, she was jokey, she was bouncy. And I know people change as they get older, and that's to be expected. But starchy, which is the word you use, Tony, is so apt. It's so accurate in the way that Sarah Drain is portrayed now. And I think that's a shame. I think think it's a shame, but but again, as you sort of said, people get older, this is only to be expected. Uh, She's been through... Put put it into... I can't believe I'm having a serious conversation about this, but if you put it into into the context of of the character, uh, and I'm waving my hands around to try and help you understand this... um, when she basically gets dumped by a man that we find out eventually that she loves, um, even though she considered him to be a mad old uncle figure, uh, and she's left on her own, he dumps a robot dog on her, which then goes very badly wrong and stops working. Uh, she never gets married, she doesn't have kids, and you can see how something like that would end up, a, a person would end up being a little bit bitter, a little bit starchy, yes. a little yes. bit prim and proper because there always was a hint of prim and properness about Sarah, especially as we were saying, compared to Joe and <clears throat> I don't know I think, I'm hoping especially with Joe's last line to Sarah in this, that Sarah will start to let her hair down a little bit, the last line in question being, get yourself a man yeah. dear. But one of the other <laughs> things about the character Sarah Jane is that, and it has been fascinating to watch the Sarah Jane Adventures because there has been quite a adult progression for her character in the course of this but she has gone from being Mm -hmm. that damaged person she was at the start of it she's a lot warmer now but she's also a lot more maternal she has these young people to look after Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's that she's still cold i think it's just one degree of sensibility has been replaced by another yeah i mean and i think all of these points are absolutely valid i think the fact that she's now technically um a mother as well that that defines the kind of person that she is but i think you can only go so far before you're using all of these different perfectly valid factors to justify the fact that this character is now unrecognizable from the sarah jane smith that we know from john pertwee's and tom baker's era um i mean don't get me wrong i i, I do enjoy seeing liz Sladen act and i do think she's extremely talented and i think she pitches it absolutely perfectly to today's audience and again it's probably us crusty old fans who would even pay this any kind of attention at all and just try to almost retcon some kind of you know genuine backstory and reason as uh, so that we can understand why sarah jane is where she is at at this moment in time well put it all into a very nice cool top hat put all that in there and you suddenly realize actually all these little arguments and debates and it's like, you've actually got a really well-rounded character there and again, the point is, we are the old school fans, we're the people that grew up watching Doctor Who. We're not the Sarah Jane audience. We're peeking into a child's hmm, no. It's almost like going into Narnia. We're, we're looking through the wardrobe and there's this land beyond. We don't quite belong <laughs> there. No, and it's funny actually because um, when I was at Doctor Who Live a, a few days before this particular event... I felt exactly the same way. I mean, it it wasn't so much that I thoroughly enjoyed watching what was actually being performed. It was enjoying watching today's target market, enjoying Doctor Who, seeing these six- and seven-year-olds dressed up as Matt Smith. And again, I, I think that's fantastic. But what we're doing, essentially, at this event is actually seeing a completely odd audience because um, we're not the target market in any way shape or form mm. no, no I, I will agree with you there um though i have to admit quickly to talk very quickly talk about doc two live you were on the wrong day james uh the <laughs> day we went which was the day before uh when the weeping angels turned up the little girl in front of us hid yes. underneath the hood of her coat 
and and sat on her mummy's lap. There is a photo. There's a photo on the Flashing Blade Facebook group of that, which is just aha, so cute. Uh, but no, but that's 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 why Doctor Who Live was so fantastic because the, the, watching the children's enjoyment was uh, was absolutely fantastic. Okay, Mr. Matt Smith. Nice new shirt. <laughs> is it still a Paul Smith one? I wonder. I don't know. The original shirt from the 11th hour was a Paul Smith shirt, which has just been re-released by Paul Smith for, I think, ooh, 120 quid? <laughs> you bleeding what? <laughs> for a shirt. Uh, the original price, if, if you'd have bought it when it was available first time around, was £40. Goodness me. Do you know, I, I feel like Joe off the Flashing Blade. I'm I'm talking about costumes and uh, rather than the performance. It's all right. Don't, don't worry. worry. Uh, Adam from Staggering Stories will go out and get one. <laughs> what do you mean, Well, good will? luck to him. Um, but... <laughs> it was a very standard performance, obviously, because it was just a bit of fun... There was a couple of nice moments there, um, especially when he's having to talk to Joe, because Joe essentially gets a very similar conversation uh, to the one Sarah had with Tenant's Doctor in the cafe. It's a case of, um, you didn't come back and see me. Mm-hmm. And his answer's brilliant. It's a case of, I didn't need to. I could hardly find you. You're all over the world doing this, that, and the other. Um, and that's lovely. And then we also find out, um, just to probably annoy people, um, that when... Mr. Dr. David Tennant uh, was very ill and was about to regenerate and he went off to see everybody he went off to see everybody, every single companion he's ever had not just the ones we saw on screen which Dave was over the moon mm. about and then of course um, that, that was a nice little scene Matt Smith Oh, he plays these things so differently to, to someone like Tennant it's a case of is he actually really doing a brilliant piece of acting here, or isn't he? It's very hard to judge it, and I mm. think he did, because it's it's much more naturalistic. Um, yeah, that worked for me, very much so. And it was uh, just a nice little acknowledgement of how well Joe progressed after yes. she left uh, the show. Yes, uh, and I think it was, uh, it was played... Just right, um, in, in as much as there's always going to be a conversation, oh, Doctor, is that you? Because obviously you don't look the same as you mm. were, and yet they still managed to do that inside of about 20 to 30 seconds, and it wasn't through any dialogue, it was just something that the Doctor said to Joe, and Joe said, ah, yes, you are Doctor, it is you, isn't it? And it was that, that kind of writing, I do think Russell T. Davis does exceptionally well. He manages to convey a point with very few words, and it's it's a very good talent, and not many other um, writers can do that quite as effectively. But I, I thoroughly bought Matt Smith's performance this time. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't look like he had any kind of change um, in, in in the way he portrays the Doctor, just because he was in a different program. Um, and, and clearly, it was some time after Series Five has wrapped. I think in terms of the recording. Is that correct? Or I, I, be- I believe. No, I believe you are correct. Mm. And of course, if anybody's wondering what's happened to Amy and Rory during all this, yeah. they're on a holiday, uh, a honeymoon planet, um, a planet that's on on honeymoon. It got married to an asteroid. Lovely line, brilliant, brilliant line. That's almost a Moffat line. Um, 
Yeah. One of the nice things of this episode was that RTD was clearly very respectful of Stephen Moffat. Yes. Although there were references back to the Tenth Doctor, it wasn't references going, oh, look, the Tenth Doctor was better. It was That was Sarah Jane's point of reference. He certainly didn't try to contradict. Mm. He didn't try to put his own stamp on it. Um... No, I know what you mean. You know, I know I, what you mean. Know. Yeah. RTD bashing is very, very popular in, in fan circles at the moment. But I think he was very respectful. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Russell T. Davis. I, I haven't been for, for, for some time. And yet, I think this was the script of his I've enjoyed the most in a very, very long time. Um, and it's mainly because I think there was more humour in this um, for all of the characters, uh, particularly the Doctor. I think the Doctor probably had half of his lines, <coughs> excuse me, the ones that I could actually hear anyway, because as you said earlier, Tony, the sound was extremely yeah. bad towards the end of this story. You know, they were all comic, they were all humorous. Um, and I, I just thought Matt Smith is, is a fantastic comedic actor, and clearly he can play. The Doctor extremely straight as well and very seriously and he can portray Dark very, very well. Um, we didn't see those uh, tendencies or uh, qualities in this particular story and I just think it showed the range of his acting ability and uh, this guy, I think, you know, is finally, took a while, but is finally sold to me um, and I, I, I buy him as the Doctor. Um, so it's took, taken you that long, James, has it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was one of the very few people who could not stand uh, the 11th hour to start with. I thought it was really goodness. Yeah. And it, it was a shame because I really wanted to like him more than anything. It just didn't happen. Um, and it took me, ugh, it took me at least until the Angel stories in Series 5 before I could really say this guy is actually the Doctor, um, which is ironic, really, because those two well, the first were the first ones he recorded. I was very let down by um, Ten's departure. And I went into the smoking garden and I just sat there and went bleh, 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 to anybody who was in earshot. I actually think that I, I made Lawrence Moles to the second maddest person there that night. <laughs> but no, I didn't like End of Time at all either. But uh, as I said, I think we're probably going off on a tangent to a tangent here. Just, just, um, just, just hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on. I did. <laughs> okay, just to, just to balance things out. I did. Now, I'll tell you what we need to do. I, I did enjoy The End of Time. So okay. there. Yeah, you were exceptionally drunk, weren't you? Uh, yeah, but I've seen it since several times. Got drunk I, every I, time. I, I, yeah. I, I did like it. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, now, we need to get rid of the elephant in the room. Absolutely. Um, which um, isn't me, for change. Um, it's uh, <clears throat> 507 mm. incarnations, I believe. Indeed. Indeed. What's your take on this, Tony? Oh, what a load of old nonsense. Who cares? My, my take on it is that Russell T. Davis sat there typing away and went, ha, 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 that would get them talking. Yes, Absolutely. I can just imagine that. <laughs> and, and seriously, it's worked. Um, there's been podcasts being released already. Have either of you heard uh, Chip on a two-minute Time Lords no. uh, talk about this yet? Uh, no, I've been too busy editing my own podcast. You edit? That's me. It might not but, seem like it, but yes, I do. <laughs> Funny because I don't know whether or not it's because he's watching it with a completely different set of eyes, if you like, um, from from America, but or, or in reading the story in, in a very different way. But as far as I'm concerned, the fact that he said his 500 regenerations is not definitive. Now, there's been stories in the newspaper reporting that this particular issue has now been resolved. Doctor Who is immortal. Absolutely, you've read the Guardian as well. Oh, um, it's, <laughs> it's for me, it's not sorted. This it was a purely a glib throwaway exactly. remark. Exactly, and it, as I just said, does it 
matter. The bottom line is the initial line, the original line was we can live forever barring accidents. Well, the other thing as well is we've got two more doctors after Matt Smith. So we can guess we'll look at an- another eight years. I hate to say it, folks. I don't think the show will be on for more than another eight years. I, I think you're right, but I think it will come back again uh, because Doctor Who, I don't think, is ever going to stay away for a long period of time. It's simply too attractive a prospect. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's unlikely that a particular series will continue indefinitely. However, um, whether or not the issue is important or not, I think is quite an interesting one. I, I tend to agree with you, Tony. I'm not overly bothered about it. And yet there are some fans who genuinely, genuinely believe that the show will have to stop uh, when they've got through 13 Doctors. And oh. that, that does surprise me somewhat, I have to say. It's a case of, look, I know, I absolutely adore this television show, but Bob Holmes said he could only have 13 <laughs> lives. So I'm sorry, much as I adore it, I'm sorry, if they make any more, I'm not going to watch it. Nads. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who is dead to me. <sighs> You'll be there. If, they, if it's the 14th Doctor, we go, it's wrong, but I have to watch it. Ooh, it's better than ever. <laughs> What, I mean, it's the same kind of thing with a doctor's age, isn't it? I mean, it, he, he's quoted oh, his age in so many quite. times. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, a doctor has either lost track or he simply lies about his age. Does it really matter? And does it affect the enjoyment of the show? For me, absolutely not. But for others, it does seem to. <laughs> Which, uh, And I think that the way to deal with it is honestly to let it go because these kind of things are going to come up again and again and... Doctor Who has been absolutely fantastic in its 50 years at contradicting itself, uh, making exceptions for rules that it establishes all the time. Enjoy the drama, enjoy the show. It doesn't matter how many times he can regenerate. It really doesn't. Cornell, <laughs> Topping and Day got it right with the uh, discontinuity guide. It's a case of, look, just take what you want, leave all the rest, do what you like with it. That's a very good ethos, I think, and a very good approach to Doctor Who these days. There's, there's one last point, certainly for me, that I would like to raise. Um, I don't know whether or not you two have got anything else that you want to add. But since when did UNIT suddenly come up with absolutely gorgeous young female officers? Did you not see Corporal Bell? Admittedly, she was an NCO rather than an officer. But my no, this one God, was, that was a woman. This one was a bit of a hottie, <laughs> and she was on Footballer's Wives and did some very good photo shoots. I may have been Googling. Since when are unit officers allowed to wear makeup? Uh, Captain Yates aside. <laughs> You're talking to a man who said the highlight when I open up the coffin and there's Joe and Sarah Jane hugging each other. That's all. Two pensioners in a coffin. That's your dream. I could direct you to some websites. <laughs> It's taken over 30 no. years, but Joe and Sarah Jane together. Oh, wonderful. And I'm glad you're happy anyway, Dave. So I, I, I could take it in terms of summarising <laughs> this particular episode. Does, does your previous comment in terms of, ah, sum it all up, really? I, 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 would, I would give this four fours out of five. Okay. It, it was a lot of fun. It had a lot of respect for the past, not just for... Uh, Sarah Jane and Joe, but there was lots of mention of other assistants. Yeah, towards the end, absolutely. This was a story for the fans and for the older fans. That's what it was. That was, was an explanation of Doctor Who is one long thing and one big family. Um, it's a very warm thing. It's a very cosy thing. And it's all-inclusive. 
and I think it was a nice little tip of the hat. Whilst it's produced for the kids nowadays, this one was actually for the adults. I, I think it had certainly more appeal. It had more of a feel of classic Who to it than many of the other Sarah Jane adventures that I've seen. And I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it, I would say, significantly more than most of the other episodes that I've seen. And I think it was because of that link back uh, with Joe Grant and Katie Manning. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And... I think it's only right for us to say that we watched this not in isolation, but we were joined by another podcaster as well. Yes. A certain Mr. Luke Harrison from The Minute... Professor Yaffle. Professor Yaffle? Yeah, he looks like Professor Yaffle. He looks like Professor Oh, Yaffle. no, no, no. He's the warlord. Ooh, ooh, yes. Ooh. Ooh. Come on, this, this is a young Philip Maddock. Come yes, on. Yes, <laughs> no, no, I'd agree with you. This is the warlord post-Atkins. Indeed. Anyway, if you want to know what we're talking about, <laughs> Google... The Minute Doctor Who podcast, and you'll find a very tall uh, video podcaster talking about Doctor Who, and he joined us uh, for this particular evening, and unfortunately, but probably fortunately for him, he wasn't able to join Tony and Dave uh, and I this evening, and he recorded his thoughts of the evening, and here they are. Hello, Luke here from the Minute Doctor Who podcast, and yes, I was privileged enough to be at the preview screening of Death of the Doctor. Thanks again to James from the DWP for enabling me to be there. And what a brilliant story this is. Yes, it's got puppet vultures which look a bit shoddy, but it's about the return of Joe Jones, nay Grant, and the Doctor being in the Sarah Jane Adventures again. You've probably heard about the regeneration controversy by now and formed your own opinion. I'm currently putting together a podcast as to why it doesn't really matter. That will appear on tomodwork.co.uk in the next few days, hopefully. But that aside, this was a story for the fans. I mean, we haven't had this many continuity references since, well, Attack of the Cybermen. And don't be surprised if you're welling up at the end after a certain couple are mentioned. The event began with us seeing the two clips of Sarah and Joe originally leaving the Doctor from the classic series, and I was once again reminded that Doctor Who is best seen with others. And the panel at the end was a laugh a minute. If you ever get the chance to go to the BFI for one of these Doctor Who or Sarah Jane events, I recommend it. Well, thanks for that, Luke. Um, of course, you don't have to go to Google for it. You can just go to the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance website at www.doctorwhopodcastalliance.org and you'll see Tudwump there, along with all the others. And he's also available on Twitter, at Tudwump. Yeah, I, I, never, I never quite worked that one out. How, how does the M get pronounced? It's Tudwump. I don't know. Yes, how does Luke pronounce it? Oh, well, actually, it wasn't Stephen Shabansky from Radio Free Scar who came it up was, with that. It was, but he's missed the M. He's missed the M. Ooh, <laughs> don't let Chris know. Chris will make sure he puts it back in. He pays quite a bit of attention to detail, does that, Mr. Burgess? Yes, he did. Pedanta. I prefer Pedanator. <laughs> I think it sounds a bit more Doctor Who-y. But, OK, well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to our ramblings for the last half an hour, 40 minutes or so. Um, we thoroughly enjoyed that particular evening out, didn't we? Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I cannot wait to see just how much of this podcast survives your edit. It'll be about a 20-minute show, probably. Got to meet some very old friends, which I hadn't met in 20 years, which was wow. Um, and, oh, it was just... It was a nice, yummy evening. Oh, and big call-out, Gary Russell's T-shirt. <laughs> Yes, quite. Say goodbye, chaps. Goodbye, chaps. chaps. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Toodles. And now, let's step back a few days further back in time. We're caught on location this time, in a slightly windy Wembley. 
Apologies for the sound quality. Here's James, Keith and myself after Doc 2 Live. The monsters are coming. Okay, it's 28 minutes past nine. We are standing outside Wembley Arena, main entrance east, and we have just watched Doctor Who Live. Doctor Who Live, yes. Mm. I suppose we ought to say who we is. What? (laughs) It's just the disembodied voice. Uh, It's uh, Real Keith from Staggering Stories. Adam from Staggering Stories. And James from the Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> yes. And, and, and we're actually standing outside Wembley Stadium. Yes, yes, we've yeah, moved we on are. a bit, so we're yeah. quiet. Yes, yeah. It is quiet, and if anybody passes us, we don't look suspicious at all, t- do we? Oh, no, no. no. Three blokes huddled yeah. over well, uh, a microphone. A, a, a phallic looking <laughs> microphone. Yeah, <laughs> Lots indeed. Of kids walking by. <laughs> It's well, better and better. <laughs> good segue there, good segue. Because this really was... No, we can't use that. No, do not go there. We got in enough trouble last night. Okay. Um, reactions, gentlemen. Your, your initial first thoughts after, as I said, watching it less than ten minutes ago. Well, uh, well, for me, it's actually my second view yeah, of it. Yeah, you, you, you managed to wrangle free tickets, you miserable, horrible yeah, nasty. Today is the second day of Doc 2 Live, and we just watched a third performance. Yeah. And I managed to wrangle tickets to the opening night too. <laughs> and I have to say, I thought it was even better the second time. Wrong? Mm. No. Now, see, that's a little bit concerning for me, you see, because when you watch an episode of Doctor Who and you yeah. say, wasn't too sure what to make of it the first time, but I watched it again. Yeah. And then you see yeah. you've lowered your expectations. Maybe. <laughs> so, so, so are you saying that, you know, you enjoyed it more the second time because it didn't meet your expectations the first? In a way, I suppose... It, Going, you don't know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, I, I had expected more spectacle. There was a, a lot made of the uh, the twins who were mm. brought in with their special effects uh, know-how, uh, with the uh, spoilers here, the flying Dalek and yeah. the like. Yeah. And indeed, that was there, but I expected more yeah. of that than we actually the, had. The, the, the flying Dalek really. There isn't a hell of a lot of it. He just appears in the corner of the stage. <laughs> and just, swings. And just swings. It's yeah. very well done. It, it, it is. I, I don't mean to distract from it. It very, is very well done. <clears throat> but the way you're informed, you're expecting it more to come down over the audience or, or out somewhere oh, like that. Well, you see, I hadn't Maybe. heard there was going to be a flying Dalek no. in it at all. So oh, for oh, me, okay. and I think I went over to you, Keith, and, and said, well... <laughs> that, that, that's worked really well yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. Um, it just suddenly appeared there was a yeah. shock value as well yeah. Yeah. but I think it kind of I mean the Dalek itself kind of it, it tells you about the whole show really because it was a show yeah. in yeah. every sense uh, yeah. in I, every sense as I said yeah. to you on the way out and I don't mean this as a distractor it is very much a pantomime feel a yeah. pantomime show much like Carnival of Monsters yeah and, and also much like uh Doctor Who Ultimate Adventure back yeah. in the mid 80s and 90s that was most definitely a pantomime in yeah. this case there was if anything less plot than Doctor Who yeah. the Ultimate Adventure yes uh, because it was effectively a one man show mm. yeah. There, yeah there were a number of cast members but they all yeah. had very fleeting appearances Vince, on stage yeah, sort, of, sort of run out run through the audience yeah. run back the most notable one who had any real time on screen on stage sorry was Nick Briggs as yes. uh, Winston Churchill, Churchill. <laughs> but apart from him <laughs> There wasn't really anybody else for Borgeson to, no. to bounce off of. No, and uh, I, I, 
thought the Winston Churchill impersonation, it may have been done over the microphone, it might be a dubbed voice, but was very good. Oh, I thought it was live. It was I, I, live. I got a feeling yeah. it was live, but I'm just Definitely saying, was. I'm covering all the bench yeah. bases well, here. I suppose once you've got Nick Briggs there to give voice to the Jadoon, the Cybermen, yeah. the Daleks, and yeah. probably lots of others as well, yeah, um, maybe. you may as well use him to voice somebody else. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't think his Churchill impersonation was particularly convincing uh, really? as I said no it sounded more like Yoda okay uh, I, I no thought you more the, the actions with the walking stick more <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. it was a large Yoda it was a human Yoda, Yoda. especially yeah. Yeah. a bald Yoda with a hat but I think certainly a show or a pantomime is a very good way of describing yeah. it oh yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah Plots. It's funny you mentioned the word because I was thinking about that earlier, and there was none. Yeah, not really, not, not really. Uh, very, it's, very light on plot indeed. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was basically. I've got this monster, trundle it out. Does it yeah. bit? I've got this monster, trundle it out. Does it bit? Yeah. Um, for me, it was very much based on what works in the prompts. Yeah, it was very proms like. Mm. I.e., the monsters coming out from behind you, creatures wandering through the audience, yeah. the vampire girls chasing and threatening people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But one I, way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a slight different note, I also noticed that they had. I don't, don't want to say patsies, but uh, strategic people placed <laughs> stooges. In, stooges, yeah. thank you, yeah. placed in the audience. Oh, yeah. to be dragged out, tortured, cybertized, and, yeah. and the like, which works yeah. extremely well for the kids. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah. We, we have to talk about that. There are yeah. an incredible number. Oh, yes. of children in the audience. Let's say yeah. let's say the arena holds eight or nine thousand. Yeah. 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 Okay, the yeah. arena holds <laughs> eight or nine thousand. <laughs> thank you. And let's say. <laughs> there were ninety percent. It was ninety percent full. It's ninety yeah. percent full. Uh, yeah, there was a couple of spaces there, that we there were. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a complete sellout no. in terms of um, seats. No, there, there definitely no. were some vacant seats, but it was aimed towards the children in the oh, audience. God, and yes. I think yeah. it was great. Had this kind of thing been around when I was a child, and I'm not oh. re- not referring to uh, <laughs> when the stage plays. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, yes. I'm afraid. Yeah. Yes. No, it was, it was a long time ago, yeah. but. I, I would have absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. it's, um, it, it works for everybody. It works for the kids. It works for the adults who enjoy seeing their kids enjoy it. Yes. It works for the BBC because it keeps Doctor Who fresh and it keeps yep. the brand alive whilst it's not on television. And yeah. I hate to say, ching, ching. Oh, very well, much so. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, the prices now. I mean, who on earth mm, yeah. would spend... Twenty pounds on a t-shirt? How much? <laughs> Twenty quid, yeah. Twenty quid on a t-shirt. <laughs> Ten pounds for a, a program. Program, yeah. It, it is quite expensive. Yeah. In fact, I saw they had some DVDs up at the uh, the merchandise. Yes, really. Twenty-five pound. I mean, they're not even when they released them. They were that expensive. season five vanilla DVDs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, ju- it just shows, doesn't it? That, yeah. I mean, the reason they price them that high is because there are fans willing to pay it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which is concerning. But it can be very expensive from certainly an attendee's yeah. uh, point of view, particularly if you've got three or four yeah. kids to yeah. I mean, yeah. that, well. I've got to admit, where I mentioned this uh, expense, that is the old cynical, faulty, <laughs> old me <laughs> mentioning that. But yeah. these are typical West End prices. Yes. Typical yeah. arena t- sort of For prices. For a very atypical West End show. Yeah. Because yeah. one, yeah. it's stuck out in an arena. and yeah. it's very yep. different from a kind of theatre yes. uh, yep. or any other kind of um, show house or playhouse mm-hmm. and they generated enough suspense and enough horror um, <laughs> that usually is a lot easier to do in a claustrophobic yeah. theatre I, I, have, yeah, to, I have to mention suspense and horror the standout moment for me was the appearance of the angels yeah, yeah. very well yeah. done very effective you have police coming from one corner you have the angels up on the stage plus the big angel on the monitor there mm-hmm. is a blinding flash of light the, the policemen come up and poke the angels poke the statues 
there's a blinding <laughs> flash of light. When the light comes back and you're able to see again, the statues have moved position and the policemen are gone. Virtually in the blink of an eye. Yes. And yeah. Keith has just returned to his seat next to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. 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 <laughs> there was, there was there's some, definitely some vertical movement. From your, your, your it caught me by surprise. <laughs> and the thing is, I didn't jump, but I jumped when Keith jumped. <laughs> but I, I, I think certainly the um, the horror elements was, was was good. It was just just pitched correctly, mm, not too frightening. Um, there was. Uh, I'm not sure when about it was. I think it's when the uh, winders. The smilers That's and the right. winders yes. walked past us. Mm-hmm. There was a small child, could have been about, what is it? Five, uh, six, maybe. Five, six, yeah. seven, sitting on the aisle side of the seat with his mother. When the winders went past, he insisted on changing positions with his mother, so he was yeah. one space away from the aisle. Well, so yes, West, yeah. yesterday when I watched it, um, when the angels came on the uh, stage, the uh, little girl in front of me was so frightened she put her coat over her head <laughs> and clang on to her mother next to her. You know, if I was a mother, I'd be saying, do you know how much I pay for you to see this? <laughs> I know, yeah. 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 Get out there, watch it, damn you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there were also a couple of nods to, well, basically old crusty men like us who yeah, also yeah. enjoy Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, how, ma- how many references to classic Doctor Who titles did you notice? Oh. Uh, there was, it, it, this is the destiny of the Daleks. Um, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Daleks master plan. Yes. Yeah. Greatest yeah. show in the galaxy. Yeah. yeah. I got yeah. that one. Yeah. No, those are the three obvious ones. Uh, Candle and Monsters. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, yes. then there was what you mentioned, this Phantasmagoria, which is uh, a yeah. big finish. Yeah. It was the second Big Finish play, and any time Mark Gatiss or his contemporaries get involved in writing, you can you can usually find be in this that word yeah. reference, yeah. certainly in The Unquiet Dead, but that was a more obscure one, perhaps. Um, uh, but yeah, anything else? Well, I think we should make a big shout out to the musicians. Oh, God, yes. What a fantastic yeah. job Benny Foster and his, uh, it, his it, people did. It was very much a cut-down audience. Uh, not cut-down, cut-down... Uh, orchestra. Orchestra. Yeah, it's a band, basically. Yeah, yeah. but the, they did passable, very good, and in some cases spectacular yeah. renditions of a full orchestra, the full Agreed. orchestra music. Yeah, they, for the most part, it was familiar Doctor yes. music yes. from New Who, of course. Yeah. Uh, reorchestrated for yeah. this small group. Sometimes you'd have a, a, a guitar instead of the horn section or, or instead of the violin mm. section. They jazzed guitar. it up, gave yeah, it a bit more of a rock and roll yes. yeah. feel yeah, to it, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and also, I think that's probably the best rendition of the Doctor Who theme I've seen live. Now, I know you two mm. guys have been to the prom. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, you've seen a very full, or- very well, good full orchestra version. As, yeah. as we mentioned, but, I think, uh, in a previous, the, the latest <clears throat> version of film lends itself very much to live yeah. play the, live, the new, live this new theme it does yeah, yeah. it worked well in the proms it yes. works even better here I yeah. think yeah. well I, yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic I was a bit surprised by the music I have to say I wasn't expected, expecting it to be so effective yeah. mm. and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that and they were right up on stage as well yeah. and yeah. referred to they by were, Morganson they oh, were yeah. part of the set yeah yeah so to speak, you know, they were part of the. Uh, no, there the was interaction show. between Nigel Plainer's character. I think we need yeah. to speak about. Oh yeah, as well. yes, mm. yes, yes. <laughs> and um, and not only the bands, but they, you know, there was a note about the singers as well, who occasionally yeah. came on, yeah. um, kind mm-hmm. of opera esque, if not directly opera. Mm. And, yeah. You know, did the um, Paul voice? Yeah, mm. the in tune wailing. You know, <laughs> the, the yeah. Expression that yeah. comes to mind. Here I was you know trying I mean. to be highbrow, Paul voice, <laughs> high tune wailing. <laughs> <laughs> that's it blows it all out the water. Uh, that's the Doctor Who 
podcast. But Nigel Plain is certainly. What did you think of him? He, he plays his part very well, and it's very much uh, an oily salesman, you know, <laughs> a used car salesman. He's uh, um, a child playing with something he doesn't understand and is conceited that he controls it. Oh, and yeah. it's very much he's not knowing what he's playing with yeah. mm-hmm. he comes across beginning as a very jovial character but you do see the how to put it egocentric self-centeredness yeah. of the character yeah. and at the end of it it wasn't my fault I didn't mean to do it and <laughs> it's somebody else's problem or somebody else's fault because he he does a run-up right at the end. He does. Before the, before the, before and the, the audience, speaking of this tonight, really interacted with him. Yeah, like, oh, yes. him, hissing yeah. him but, so that, is, that harks back... Airplane! That harks back to the, the pantomime aspect. Yeah, oh, yeah, completely. Which, I mean, yeah. which is very good. I don't mm. mean that derogatory. No, yeah. I, I think he was OK. I, I would have liked to have seen him do a little bit of impro with a crowd. It, it did still feel like he was following a pantomime script. Yeah, and yeah, as I said, kids and the target audience wouldn't have a, noticed or be minded. Yeah. But um, no. again, I would have liked to see him. Trust the adult. Trust the adults, yeah. Let's not say that too much. People start to believe us. <laughs> but, I, was, I was also like to point out the actual computer, the special effects. Mm. Um, mm. Um, what, what I was most impressed by is uh, Matt Smith in the cube. Yeah, at the end, at the end, yeah, the, absolutely, the, the very good. Plasma prison. How can we yeah. kind? Of, it was like a three D TARDIS. Yeah, rather with um, tangible sides. It yeah, had a screen. Yeah, um, mm. and it was very convincing, particularly at the very end, because they had a, yeah. a a real flashing light upon the top yeah. of it. Yeah, yep. and worked um, worked really well. I think yeah. the effects were great. Mm. Oh lots yeah, of, lots of flamethrowers. E- even from the mm. position, even from the position back, we were we could still feel, feel the, the heat. heat. Oh, oh yeah, I, I did yeah. notice that. Yeah. And we were yeah. over halfway oh, yeah. back. So goodness knows what the front view. Right. <laughs> yeah, hair, no eyebrows. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But uh, I thought that was extremely good. The laser effects. Oh yeah. And yep. of course we had a basic reenactment of Doomsday at the mm, end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, with a, I'm not sure if this was deliberate or, or not, but we had the Cyberman speech of "It is the inferior Daleks," which. Oh yeah, yeah, which is very because much they were. The, the eye Daleks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is very much yeah. the eye Daleks. Yeah, it one wonders who has written that. Who it's got past and, and <laughs> what's gone on behind in the background. Well, it was actually it was co-written by Gareth Roberts, yeah. wasn't it? But I yeah. don't know who he wrote it with. I think it was Moffat. Yeah, I think Moffat at, at, the very yeah. Li- at the very limit, Moffat's got to sign off, right. give a yay I or nay. I think Moffat came out with the basic principle and then gave it to Gareth Roberts. To yeah. Okay, well, perhaps we're reading too far into it then, because I doubt whether they would say that their own new versions are inferior. But you never know. Well, you, you do never, never know. know. Um, there are rumours, but <laughs> we're not going to go there. Yeah. No, no, true. I, I had I had hopes. I have to say that um, the new kind of Daleks would look better live than they did on screen, but they didn't. <laughs> no, if anything, probably worse. Yeah, because yeah. It, they do move around a lot. I was surprised how fast they moved around. Oh, very powerful legs in those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that got me. I mean, the, the drone Daleks shot from yeah. one end of the stage to the other quite fast and they stop pretty quickly yeah which yeah. Uh, I know they had a lot of problems with that when they first adopted this new shell yeah. the, the people inside couldn't stop very quickly <laughs> oh no it's very true we, it's funny actually because we spoke to Barnaby Edwards a little while ago yeah, who yeah, was the yeah. chief he's name dropping he's name dropping oh yes but he said they were awful to move around yeah, and yeah. not only that he won't be taking part in this show because he's in Los Angeles at the moment um, oh. touring with Merry Wives of Windsor so uh-huh. I wonder whether they've actually had a new set of yeah guys yeah. or actors trained to operate these Practiced Daleks like yeah. because yeah. it is a yeah. heck of a skill yeah. it's not something you think oh, I'll, 
I'll do that now. No, you know, no. you need to go on having, training courses. Right, mm. you know? Having <laughs> been involved in pushing a Dalek from London to Brighton, I know how much of a bugger they can be mm. to move. I think we can be safe. We can safely say that the people in the Daleks are the people who, who were in, uh, for example, the policeman costumes. Yeah, it, yeah. There was actually. Do you think? I wonder. I wonder. There was quite a small number of people who came out on the stage at the end. Yeah. It's because they were still trying to get out of the costume. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. But, uh, but you, you could well be right. I think a lot of doubling up and tripling up of. We'll have to look in your program. Yeah, the cast list. Yeah, we yeah. will do. Maybe not right now. <laughs> oh, <No. okay. laughs> but, oh, there you go. Mm. But. To, to wrap up then oh um, how long two hours is it two hours about S- hour and a half two hours yeah, yeah. certainly an enjoyable two hours you don't notice the time it doesn't drag your, nope. your, it shoots past in like ten minutes it's, it's very watchable very enjoyable mm. I'd love for them to bring out a, a CD of music oh yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's really good and that for me the music really made it yes, more than anything definitely it just felt you, you, so good I don't know why you still but. got a, it was slightly different but you still got a chill running down the spine the mm. hair still rose absolutely yeah. certainly the very first time that they decided to launch into the, the to the Doctor Who theme yeah. especially yeah. as they'd written it as a kind of pre-credit sequence and of course we got a cliffhanger yeah. oh yes we well, did, 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 yeah, did and then yeah, this massive well finale with yeah. Daleks versus Cybermen at the end yeah. once yeah. again yeah. and uh, yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed it yes um, so I said wouldn't have seen it Two nights running. <laughs> but, um, I wasn't sure if it'd be a good idea, but I'm really I, glad I did. I've got to admit, I, so I, much more second time. I may be quite happy to watch that again. Really? Really. Yeah. I would pay to watch that again. Well, where are they maybe, next then? Maybe not that ticket <laughs> price, but. Uh, no. They're back here tomorrow, and no. then I don't know where they go. But... <laughs> <laughs> I have to look at your t shirt. Yeah. I do, I do. Yeah. More PR sold. Yes, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. it. Make them do it again. <laughs> Now! Do it now! On that note... Yep, okay. Shall we Um, say that if you listen to this before the tour finishes... It comes highly recommended for oh, yeah, any absolutely. of us, absolutely. Yeah, particularly yeah, if you're under 15 years oh, yes. of age. Yes. Take your parents along, <laughs> yeah. tell them it's really cheap. Lie through your teeth. And have a great time. Yes, yeah. I'm sure you will. Bye for now. Goodbye. Goodbye. And that, I'm afraid, is it for another Doc2 Podcast Alliance special. Thank you for joining us to hear about these two great events. Hopefully there'll be many more to come. But for now, that's it, I'm afraid. Thank you for joining us, and goodbye for now. Mm.